Can I say I won't give it up? Carrie Lynn Van Winkle, welcome to the podcast. It's great to be here. <laughs> okay, well, with such a cool name, and we were just starting to talk about it, but I want you, because I saw you recently, and um, it was at uh, Cock and Tails, I believe, and Van Winkle is a very Dutch name, and mm-hmm. I'm a sucker for like a Western European last name. I just am. So can you hit me to a little bit of this like background ancestry stuff? I'm, I, I'm, a, I'm a sucker for it. I love it. You know, so just hit me with some cool shit. Um, oh, no, you're going to be a little bit disappointed because no. I don't know as much. Okay. I do know that my mom's dad's dad. Okay, I'm doing the math. Hold on. Pardon me. Okay. Divided by four. Okay. Yeah. Uh, his name was Alva Van Winkle. Yeah. And, of course, my grandfather, Pete Van Winkle, he picked his own name because his mom, I can tell this story. He's not here. <laughs> his, my, my grandfather's mom was so drunk ah. on all the meds ah. when he was born that she wanted to name him Alva Jr. Uh-huh. She misspelled it Alvi, uh-huh. and my grandfather hated it. Huh. So he grew up, and he just changed his name to Pete. And and this is here in the states, or is this? In- this is in Arizona. So Pete Van Winkle, and then my mom, her maiden name was mm-hmm. Van Winkle, mm-hmm. and then she had me when mm-hmm. she was younger. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. my first name is her mother's name. Okay. Her mother's name was Carolyn. Uh huh. So I'm Carrie Lynn. It almost sounds like, and don't take this the wrong way, mm-hmm. it almost sounds like your your folks or how you were named is like, let's take Carrie Lynn, which sounds like like a Southern name, like Carrie Lynn, you know, if you say it like oh, it's, that. Oh, yeah, it's very Southern. And then, like, you mix that with like a, like a Dutch aristocratic name. <laughs> you're like a hybrid, you're like a Dutch redneck. <laughs> can, I, can I say that? <laughs> Oh, no. Maybe that should be your, your like musician handle, no. the Dutch redneck. Come on, no. just consider it. Oh God! I mean, there's nothing at all aristocratic about my family, <laughs> but there is a heck of a lot of redneck about my family. <laughs> so, where did so you grew up in Arizona? Sounds like that that you're not the you know you you didn't move here. Sounds like your family has been here for a minute. Is that true? Yeah, my grandmother. So I know most i'm going to be talking about my mom's side mostly okay my dad is in the picture mm-hmm. he's uh came from michigan got my mom pregnant went mm-hmm. back to michigan no shit thanks um, dad bye. Yeah. <laughs> bye but then he came back when i was 10 um mm-hmm. he was a recreational drummer um in the marines for like half a second both of my parents were my dad is out in Tennessee doing mortgages. He's okay. a great guy. Yeah, cool. Um, my mom's side, though, is the one that really raised me. Mm-hmm. Um, and I can't remember what you asked me. What is the hypothesis to the hypotenuse? <laughs> no, um, it was... Um, why don't I remember? This is strange. Hold on. I just got lost in You the, know what? The cool the, thing is this is all being recorded. <laughs> like, just go back and look at it. Yeah. No, I got lost at Dutch Redneck. Um, <laughs> hold on. Um, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Me. Growing up in Arizona, like your, your, your family history here. So my mom was born here. I was born here. I think my grandfather was born here. My grandmother was born 
in Michigan, but her family were actual literal rednecks. They huh. wore the scars. They traveled huh. the world huh. doing construction. Oh. They landed here and built most of the freeways. No shit. Do you know, yeah. like, like, what era was this? Like, grandparents are? You said grandparents? So. My great, uh, my, my grandmother's parents. Okay. We're all traveling like like a hundred years ago then, I mean, right? I know I'm just like actually, well, 20, 20, 20, 20, 20, 20, you know, like you go twenty years back, yeah, and twenty years back, oh, and God. twenty years back. And yeah, I guess a hundred years. You know, like, oh eighty, hundred. I don't know, somewhere around there. That's that's so long. I know. Well, you've been here for a minute. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> well, I met my great grandparents, so it that's feels... incredible. Well, my great grandmother, both of them. That's awesome. My parents were all young when they had kids. Yeah. Don't do that. Do you have siblings? I have you six. have sister. What? You're I'm six. I'm one of six on my mom's side, and I'm my only child on my dad's. <laughs> uh, where do, do you, you fall? Want a chart? <laughs> uh, yes, I'm going to need a pie chart. No, and I want a laser pointer, and I want a spreadsheet. No, um, um, where do you fall in the in the siblings? Um, I technically the middle. Okay, I was my mom's only. Oh. She married someone who had two kids. Got you. And then together they had three kids. Okay. So I have been yeah the only, the youngest. The middle, and then when the older two grew out, I was the oldest. I have all the complexes. Whoa! And I love and I love this. Too. I was the youngest of three brothers. Mm. With six is my middle. Six years is my middle brother. Ten years is my oldest brother. So oh, it, I, I, I've had a similar experience in that I certainly was the youngest. You know, with two older brothers. But you know, once they started to move out and go to college or do whatever, then I basically became an only child. When yeah. you know, in ten years. So, uh, you know, anyway, so I feel like I've had a similar experience in the sense that, you know, you start here, but then you become something else. And, but I love the, you know, the characteristics of, of where you fall and, and how that has changed or shaped who you are and how you respond to shit. Yeah. But I uh, digress. <laughs> Let's talk about music. Do you have any early musical memories, maybe? Maybe oh, it was a, a, a million. A record that, that really inspired you? Or, or was oh there a lot of music God. in the house or like your first concert or like what, what got you inspired to do Let's this? start with the sweet stuff. So first, I was not inspired to do music. I was pushed. No shit. Um, my mom hates when I say that now because I say, but I say it with a smile on my face. And you say it with love. Yeah, uh, but I was pushed. Uh, my whole family on my mom's side, all of them were musical. Huh. Every single one. My grandmother was also one of six. My mom was... Technically an only child. We'll just keep it there. Um, my grandfather was on the radio in Utah. Uh, my grandmother sang and traveled in churches. My grandfather was a gigging musician. My grandmother was gigging, but in church. Huh. Um, and she was also a minister, a pastor. Uh, my mom, like all of my family has merch and I don't. <laughs> like my mom made tapes. She also, we sang on TV when I was younger. Um yeah, music was everywhere. Yeah. All of my aunts and uncles, they all either sang or played guitar. Huh, huh. I was forced to do the musical, uh, the classical route. Uh-huh. They were like, one of us rednecks is going to learn some education. Uh-huh. So they forced me into... What, piano or something? Piano. I honestly thought when I was younger that my track was Juilliard. Oh. Like, that was kind of in my head. Oh, that's just what you're going to do. You're going to go to Juilliard. That's funny. While everyone around me is playing like honky tonk country gospel and I'm sitting there like practicing my scales. Right, right. And, um, but I do have some early ones. My grandparents weren't not married. So I had, my grandmother had, 
um, another husband. My my, I have a papa and papa and nana. Uh huh. And then over there we have papa. Ah. Papa Pete. Um, they were all musical. Uh, my grandmother and her husband were pastors. They sang in church all the time. They both played music. Um, again, very country gospel, very Pentecostal. Huh. So hymns and books and yeah. that kind of thing. Um, but yeah, my, my, that grandfather, James, he taught me how to play this one song on guitar when I was really young that I cannot find for the life of me. Like, really? we don't know where it exists. Huh. Do you remember it? A little bit of it. It's There's like, got to be a way to figure that out, right? I have looked. I have searched. The only thing I found is a long time ago, I found one YouTube video of um, an older woman, like very old woman, oh kind of singing the song a little bit her grandkids were trying to like get her to remember so they were like helping her sing a little bit and she would start singing the song a little bit and then she'd kind of forget i think she had alzheimer's what was the name of the song i don't know yeah don't know the name it's like i went high up on a mountain to have a talk with old man blue and i don't know my my mom i mean for her it was her stepdad playing this really you know old song yeah and she hated it but i loved it i huh. thought it was the coolest thing and you got and you learned it on guitar mm-hmm. yeah there was also like every family reunion there was an eating room there was a sitting room and then there was a music room huh every single time so there was always like one room everyone would just end up bringing out their guitars and playing in huh. it was nice though That's because cool. it's a very fiery family all creatives right huh. Music was the only time when people weren't fighting. <laughs> so no one was bickering. No one right. was side-eyeing anyone. It was just like, nope, we got to sing the song now. Uh-huh. It was just this instilled in me that like, does not matter what's happening in, in your life. The show goes on. Yeah. Yeah. So. And, and so did you have like, were you introduced to pop music or was that a big moment for you when, you know. I was, I was forbidden to listen mm-hmm. to pop music. Right. Granted, my mom, I was forbidden from watching like most Disney movies, very Pentecostal family. Huh. Very yeah. Pentecostal. Like they said, be happy that you can wear shorts because when I was your age, we weren't allowed to wear anything but dresses. I grew up listening to like the only pop music I really listened to was like, uh, like Rosemary Clooney. Rosemary Clooney. Yes, you do. I do? You might. Oh. Peggy Lee. Getting or, warmer. Um, or uh, George Jones. Okay. Okay. That era. Mm-hmm. I was allowed to listen to some of that. Interesting. All dressed up to go away. First time I'd seen him smile in years. He stopped loving her today It placed a reef upon his door And soon they'll carry him away He stopped loving her today This was also around the same time. Like, I'm 34. Like, this was around the same time that Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles was on TV. 
I wasn't allowed to watch that. Oh, it's from the devil. Yeah. Hey, come on. These turtles can't talk. Obviously. What the fuck? Barney? I wasn't allowed to watch Barney. Barney is, is, a, is a sex maniac. <laughs> don't get close to Barney. He will try to impregnate oh, you. Oh, no. Don't. Everyone knows that. Now I actually do have like a fear of like people in full costume, like full furry <laughs> costume. Maybe that's why. Because they're like, don't watch Barney. <laughs> so now I'm seeing it. I'm like, oh, it's the devil. <laughs> Disney, though, for real? Yeah. Yeah. No, I mean, I was allowed to watch Cinderella, but the first time they let me watch Bambi, I cried, and so they said no more. Yeah. I wasn't allowed to watch Little Mermaid because Ursula. Oh. Oh, the devil. Yeah. A devil figure. Well, it was also because they very much believed that, like, there are some places, there are some parts of Pentecostal religion where they very much believe that, like, curses are real oh. and familiar spirits are real. It's like... There's like a section of Pentecostal Christian where it looks like Wiccan backwards. Looks like Wiccan backwards. Like, what does that mean? Oh, oh, like they see symbols or there's like symbolism. There's there's prophecies. There's uh, people who can see the future. There's it's in, it's not just like you go to church and Jesus loves you. Mm. It's it's very hyper spiritual hyper magical and i think a lot of that bled into how i was raised Mm -hmm. um my mom did her best to get us out of that environment because she just like doesn't necessarily gel with us she still Mm -hmm. uh she grounded me when i read harry potter Mm. this is two weeks ago (laughs) (laughs) so they're like i'm so disappointed that's crazy. Yeah, it was very sheltered. How very do you, sheltered. I mean, how, and then you must have lost your mind though when when you heard Prince for the first time or whatever. Like, do you remember that, like that moment where you were exposed to popular culture? I mean, <gasps> yeah, I do. And, and there's a reason they call it popular culture is because it's popular and it's all around you. I do remember the exact moment. It hit me. It was a music video that came on like regular TV for. Uh, I'm too sexy for my shirt. Oh, jeez. You are going to hell. <laughs> I'm too sexy for my love. Too sexy for my love. Love's going to leave me. And I'm finding out so much about myself. And I walked around for like a week being like taking off my shirt. And they're like, why are you doing that? And I'm like, I'm too sexy for it. <laughs> oh. <laughs> So, all right. So, at what point? At what point you you do high school here in the valley somewhere? And and did you do like mm-hmm. singing in choir and still going to church? Like, what was the kind of early musical journey that that you went on? I mean, it sounds like you've been singing from a very early age. But but maybe were you doing school band? Were you singing in choir? Were you putting little rock bands together and, and making your own tunes and, you know, that sort of stuff. Remember when I said I was very, very sheltered. Okay. So my early singing experience was singing on TV with my mom at 11, um, singing in churches with her all the time. Sometimes we'd do guest spots at other churches. Um, in like, to be honest, it started mostly like in grade school, middle school. I did band. I played flute. I was always first chair, but I didn't know what first chair was. Mm. I just was good at it and didn't try. Mm. And the first time that I ever messed up, 
they asked me like, are you even practicing? And I said, no. And they took me off first chair. Uh-huh. They're like, someone deserves this more than you. You're not even working for but it. Why, but why flute? What, what did, was that just? Because my parents couldn't afford a violin and I wanted to play violin. I see. My dad bought me a flute. Okay. Had it mailed to me. I played flute. I did a lot of piano lessons from a young age. Um, when I was in school, uh, I was, <sighs> this ties into music. I was very intelligent. Shay and I actually talk about this a lot. Shay Marshall. Yeah. Um, he was allowed to skip grades in school. I wasn't. Huh. So we kind of compare and contrast. He says that you're still alone. You're just in a higher grade. And he hated it. I hated the fact that every single year, my principals will pull my, par- my parents in and say, she needs to be in a higher grade. She's going to start getting bored. And they would say, no, she needs to be around people her age. But they didn't realize I was so sheltered right. that like all of them are talking about like Power Rangers. Stuff and that you don't know. I'm not allowed to talk about Power Rangers. Right. All I'm allowed to do is I'll do the schoolwork and I'll get bored. So I started getting really bored. And by middle school, I would start going into the band room at lunch and like on my breaks and during recess or whatever. And I just started learning all of the instruments. Hmm. I did percussion. I did marimba. I did. I love marimba. I played saxophone. I would just kind of, I had a really cool band teacher who was just like, all right, try this one. All Mm -hmm. right, try this one. He put sheet music in front of me in front of a snare drum and be like, just try it. And I would do it and he'd be like, that's great. And I was like, I don't know what I'm doing though. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Finally gave me an oboe and it was the only instrument that I was sucked at Mm. in the beginning. So I just kind of kept trying to play that. I still suck at it. By the time I got to high school during freshman year, I dropped out. I went back. Of music or school? Dropped out of school. Oh. I was really bored. You take a kid that isn't being challenged mm. and just don't let them be challenged. They're just going to give up. Mm. So I gave up. <clears throat> I went back. What did, your, what did your folks think when you, when you bagged high school? I think when I went back. No, when you bagged it, when you when you left. I think by that time I was considered a troubled teen. Hmm. So it was just kind of like, well, she's still alive. And my mom had six other or five other kids right. to deal with. So she's right. like, I've kind of given up on this project. Yeah. I have younger kids who need my attention. Hmm. She will be alive. She'll survive. Mm-hmm. And I'm sure they didn't like it. But it was also to the point like, as a parent, what do you do? Right. So I was always doing music. I kind of went back and forth between piano lessons, but I just didn't really have a direction anymore because Juilliard was kind of off the table as soon as I realized you have to have a certain GPA. Mm. Um, When I went back to high school, my dad got me a guitar, and there was just a note on it that said, you're going to need this. Mm. And I had played a bunch of instruments before. I was always trained, 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 trained. You have like a specific goal you need to meet. When I got the guitar, I refused to take lessons. They were going to offer me some. And I was like, no, I don't want lessons. So I would sit there by myself in my room and try to see what sounded good. Mm-hmm. And then finally get tired. And I actually want to play a freaking song. So I would look up chord charts and I would just kind of go around that route. Mm-hmm. And it felt like the only instrument that was ever mine. Mm-hmm. I once asked my dad why he put that note on there. You're going to need this. He's like, oh, because I knew you weren't going to have any friends. <laughs> you weren't going <laughs> to. Jesus. You're not going to have any friends. Thanks, Dad. I guess, I think. Um, that's very similar to, to how I got to the guitar because I was a drummer 
you know, from fourth grade through high school, my mother really thought I needed to learn piano and, and learn how to read sheet music. But it wasn't an inspiring instrument to me, and I didn't like the music that my teacher was asking me to play, and I couldn't be bothered to read. It was the guitar that no one told me how to do it. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I don't know how much angst you had as a teenager, but I had a fair dose of it, and, and I thought, well, great. No one's going to tell me how to do this. It's mine, yeah. you know, and, and I feel like there's, you have to find it. You have to find that instrument that can, you can make your own. And even if your form is all screwy and your thumbs are, and you're like, yeah. you know, anyone that knows how to play the instrument would be like, nah, that's actually not, that's not what it is. And you're like, well, sorry, <laughs> this is how I do it. You know, and there was like a freedom there or something. And mm-hmm. all right. So high school, you, you get the guitar. Do you start writing immediately or are you trying to do some cover tunes and, and is popular music now starting to influence you? Like, Oh, I had, uh, I started writing immediately. Sometime during high school, I went from listening to like Christian rock, like Christian popular music, mm-hmm. like Pillar and Newsboys. What what year roughly is this? Is this like when was this? Oh God, was this the eighties, the nineties, the two thousands? To sorry, you're thirty four. All right, so 2000s. I'll do the math. Okay, early early two thousands. Got you. I graduated in seven. So okay. Some early 2000s. Yeah, I I had kind of... During high school, I think, is when I started finding my own music. Mm-hmm. But I didn't find anything currently popular. It was always Mamas and the Papas or my dad got me onto like Tool and Whoa. Metallica. And so... <laughs> I like that your dad introduced you to that music. That's pretty cool. My dad is the one who introduced me mostly to popular music, um, kind of sparingly. So it was like Tracy Chapman or mm-hmm. Journey or, mm-hmm. you know, he kind of, my mom gave me a lot of like current country music. Mm-hmm. Like I still love Vince Gill. I never will stop. That man's a genius. A lot of like Garth Brooks, a lot of that. And then my dad was more of like the, mm, either folk or yacht rock, to be honest. Hmm. He would hate that I say that. Um but I had like older influences. Mm-hmm. I didn't really listen to anything currently happening mm-hmm. besides NSYNC, I will say. Let's talk about NSYNC for no, a minute. No, 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 no. <laughs> Don't do this to me. I admitted enough. <laughs> yeah, in high school, I think, is when I started kind of finding, like, instead of having music force fed to me, I started finding music that I liked right. and not being apologetic about it. Like, mm-hmm. Peter, Paul, and Mary. Pretty, it was great. Yeah. yeah. Pretty killing. And no one my age would listen to that. But as soon as I got a car and found out how LimeWire worked, I was yeah. like burning my own CDs of, you know, folk music from the 60s, 70s. That's funny. And it was great. So when I got a guitar, I immediately started writing um, anything. It was like a fever. You know? Like, yeah. It's like finally I can just kind of word vomit onto this and I don't necessarily care how it sounds. It's like this, that young fire that yeah. burns in you that is almost like, if I don't do this, yeah. Yeah. Like I'm going to be a problem. Yeah. No, I think I was kind of writing little stuff my whole life, just like little melodies, mm-hmm. just never played them really on piano. Maybe I tried, but I never learned how to jam on piano. It was always read the sheet music, get right. into the school. Right. Right. Yeah. Freedom. You have a guitar. So, and, 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 and let's just cut to it. But, you know, some of that folk music, 
it's not that hard. It's not that technical. It's not that Mm-mm. complicated. Chord, from a chord perspective, it's pretty basic shit, you know, so you could actually kind of pick it out, you know, without a ton of knowledge, right? Yeah, in a sense. Um, in a sense. I think the things I liked were always a little bit more orchestrated mm-hmm. just because, you know, still to this day, a lot of my inspiration comes from probably either classical music. I love um, the Punch Brothers. Hmm. You ever hear Punch Brothers? Mm-mm. You should listen. Right. Um, is there a particular song that you're like, this is the one, this is the place to start. Start with this tune. Uh, if you're going for their original music, I would start with Familiarity. Okay. If you're going for their covers, they have an incredible cover of uh, Josh Ritter's um, Another New World. That one has inspired songs from me. Oh. Another New World is incredible, but it's very, it's not just, you know, you can play it simple chords, but not how they play. It's very orchestrated. Themselves, what I would do next after all that I found in my travels around the world. Is there anything left? I mean, I wasn't, I'm, I'm not trying to simplify or reduce folk music. And as soon as you start to put two guitars together, you know, they're yeah. doing different voicings, it's like sounds like an orchestra. So yeah, I'm not I'm not I'm not poo-pooing folk music. That th- those artists were big influences on, on me as well. Yeah. <clears throat> but at least as a you know, as a casual listener with a guitar, it's like you can even with one finger just find the root notes pretty easily. Anyway, mm-hmm. that's what that's what I'm saying. I'm I think s- when it comes to like the simple stuff that I would learn, simple covers, it would always be country music. Because mm-hmm. country music was far simpler for me. Mm. That you want to talk about some country chords, like those are easy for beginners. Mm-hmm. Um three chord songs, you know. Right. Uh right. The folk music, I didn't get into playing, like I know a lot of people are inspired by, you know, Bob Dylan or Paul Simon and they're early, like they'll start playing like, you know, those songs to start. Mm-hmm. I didn't. Mm-hmm. I think I started, if I was going towards that realm, I started with like Peter Gabriel. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And before we started, we, we were listening to a cover of You Doing In Your Eyes. Yeah. Right. I used to. I did a cover of that tune. That's a great tune. So you you figured out that that Juilliard wasn't going to happen. Mm-hmm. You're in high school. Did did you do the college thing? It took me a while, but yes, I yeah. went to one college. I was trying to go for film. I got accepted to a film school in uh, California, but we didn't have the money. Oh. I wanted to go to film. I wanted anything. Get me out of music. Let me do soccer. Let me do film. Let me do this. Let me oh, do no this. kidding. I want out of music. Huh. Um, Just at odds? Why were, we, why were you at odds with it? I think it was my way of being rebellious because oh. my whole family was in music. When my dad first, my first car was $250 and it was a Dodge Dakota and it had to be a good gear car. 
Hmm? I was like, I don't even have gear yet. They're like, yeah, but you're going to one Oh, I see. Like it, has it had to, to be a car that could fit your PA in it or whatever. Yeah. So like every, every that decision that was insane. made for me. Yeah. Was based around music. Uh-huh. Yeah. So I think I was trying to tell them like, like I wanted a soccer. I wanted to play soccer. I got piano lessons. I wanted a skateboard. I got a guitar. Like uh-huh. every time I wanted something very specifically, they would give me another instrument <laughs> <laughs> I'm, like, I'm trying to tell you guys i don't want to do this that's crazy you that, know that that not playing music was rebellion i mean that's like that's like the opposite of what it normally is right it's yeah. like no go learn your math no i'm gonna go shed these guitar chords well you're wasting your time well <laughs> fuck you or whatever the only way know? i could get out of doing chores is if i was practicing yeah i would tell my uh i tell people that I can get out of doing chores as long as I was practicing, so I just practice a lot. That's awesome. Do my scales for like nine hours. Oh my god! Um, All right, so you tried the you tried film school, or no, no, you didn't. You didn't ultimately didn't do it. Going, I did end up later going to community college at Glendale Community College, and I did go for music because I kind of resigned. Huh. Like I don't know if I have a choice anymore. Huh. Um. But I was also kind of a tiny way that I started rebelling because I couldn't just, there was no way for me to just not do music without getting all the guilt trips or being forced back into it. One way I rebelled is by playing the music that I wanted to play, Mm. you know, Mm. or not taking lessons Mm. on a guitar. Like that was my rebellion. Mm. No, I'm not going to take lessons. I'm not going to learn music your way. I'm going to learn music my way. Mm -hmm. So when I went to school for music, a big thought in my head was, what makes all of these genres sound different? You know, what makes country music, country music? I didn't understand modes. Mm-hmm. Um, Do you now? Because I don't. I don't even, I don't even, I yeah, couldn't tell I you what a mode is if, it, if you paid me a million dollars. If you said, Shark Train, here's a million dollars. Tell me modes. I'd be like, so sorry, homie. I'm gonna, <laughs> I guess I'm not going to get that million. <laughs> theory is not my thing. Oh, here's the thing, though. I loved theory. Oh my God! I so so you did you oh. so you then did have to kind of you fell into the learning and the and the theory and the background once you went to GCC. I'm assuming Just that's what it's called, Glendale Community College yeah, at GCC. Yeah, yeah I did. Um, I found my people for sure. The people I still hang out with it today. Um, a lot of names you'd recognize, and I think I fell in love with the theory part. I think I fell in love with the analytical part. Hmm. Um, I mean, it is fascinating. I just, I don't, I never got it. I'm also the kind of girl who gets turned on by spreadsheets. Okay. Hey, I, Hey, <laughs> I love a good spreadsheet. <laughs> I don't get turned on by them, but I, I'll tell you, I'm not scared of a spreadsheet. Okay. Yeah. But the people who can do like all of the, uh, like calculations yeah. and formulas and all that stuff. I mean, I, listen, I'm not the greatest at it, but I'm pretty damn good. <laughs> I'll, I listen after, after this podcast. I'm going to show you some of my spreadsheets. My formulas are killing. Okay. I'm not just like an auto sum guy. Come on, everyone knows that. Okay. Anyway. I am an auto sum girl. <laughs> I don't know how this shit works. Yeah, I love the theory side of it. I thought yeah. it was very interesting. I think I got this. So I went to college during the recession, or it started to happen right towards the end Seven, of college. Seven, eight, nine, somewhere around there. Yeah, life got 
very financially hard. Mm-hmm. Um, so were you were you living alone? How, how how were you supporting yourself then? If if music wasn't the thing, uh, just like odd jobs and part time gigs or yeah, basically no. I mean, I had a couple of things here and there. I definitely were you gigging out at this time? Very rarely. So here's an interesting one. Mm-hmm. Right in between high school and college, my dad. Um, thought I asked for something that had to do with music and my dad's like, you're not even using your guitar anyway. And I was like, bullshit. So I made him a mix tape. I made him a CD of like 13 songs I'd written and I gave it to him and he was like, okay, I think there might be something to this. I think you might be good. We need to take you out to open mics. So my dad took me out to open mics. So now he's back in the picture. He's here. My dad, he came back when I was about 10 and he Uh was a huge supporter of me. Yeah. Um, but he's the one who took me around 19 and took my first couple open mics. Where'd you go? Um, that was all the West, West side uh, west of Phoenix. Side. West side. Yeah. yeah. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> and this was back even like, you know, 2007. So it's yeah. like dead. There's yeah. nothing there. Westgate's not built yet. Right. Um, or barely built. I don't know. But yeah, it was just that a was couple a coffee weird, shops. Weird time. I mean. Um, I did go to one anyway. Yeah. I went to a couple around. My dad would help just like drive me to a bunch of open mics. Um, kind of forced me to get on stage. It was fun. Uh, <laughs> but he, he ended up at the enchiladas bathroom, found a poster advertising chicks with pics. Oh. And he, of course, as a man in the, he's like, why is this right above the urinal? Yeah, that's a good, that's a good, that's a good point. <laughs> that's a great place to put that because everyone's going to go, what? Yeah. Um, but Chicks with Picks is a foundation uh, that uh, when they were first getting started, um, my dad had like helped me join that foundation and they were great. They helped girls get into performing music live. Um, like at, like at bars or 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 um, depending on the age, it was bars, it was uh, concert events, it was small things, big things, um, nothing grandiose. But uh-huh. they, I know they put on their own festival once. Uh-huh. Um, yeah, they uh, uh, they also helped you like um, kind of do some prep for you know uh, showing your songs to producers huh. and showing your songs to publishers. Yeah. And kind of just giving you a bare little minimum of all the possibilities. Yeah. Yeah. They helped me get into my first couple shows. And so I did a little bit, especially during college, I did a little bit with them. And then I hosted my own open mic, which was a huge, huge thing. So let me just, let me just try to find the center point of this. So you're, (laughs) no, this is great. Is chicks, uh, chicks with pics, are they still around? I've, or did they, did they make it through? I think they still do some things. I don't think it's still on the level of what they were doing. Uh-huh. Um, I love the concept, though, right? I mean, be, oh, just it was... give, give them some tools and some encouragement and finding some places where they can showcase their talents. Because, I, I, you know, I mean, I, I would say that, that maybe not... It's not not a Phoenician thing, but I I do think that the music industry is kind of like an old boy, what is that term, old boys club, you know, and Mm -hmm. and it can be rather intimidating. Um, So to have an organization that that can give you some tools and get in front of some people and and just start to create your network, you know. Yeah, I think the hard thing is as a 
I know for me, and I know for a lot of women that I talk to, when you start, you don't know what is possible. Mm -hmm. So a lot of the women that I've played music with, they didn't jam with the guys. Like I know people who are like, yeah, I played, you know, the Nile Underground when I was 16. And I'm like, I didn't even know what that was. Mm -hmm. I had no concept of, you know, Crescent Ballroom, Marquee Mm -hmm. Theater. I didn't know what any of those places, I knew what one place was, but Mm -hmm. I only went there to see Screamo shows. Mm -hmm. You know, like I didn't, I didn't know about publishing. I didn't Mm. know about managers. I didn't know about producers. Mm. I didn't know anything about recording. Mm. I didn't have access to the knowledge. Mm -hmm. So it was more like opening the gate. So there's no more gatekeeping for these women who don't even know what to ask. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Right. What what questions do I? Yeah. Yeah. So I will tell you right now, without the Chicks with Picks Foundation, I would not be playing music. Hmm. Not in the capacity that I am. Even with the lineage that I have, even Mm -hmm. with knowing that like my grandfather played some of the same bars that I've played, you know, like I still wouldn't have, Yeah, it would have gone completely over my head. I wouldn't have realized how to do it or what could even be done. And that's a pretty killer plug for chicks with dicks. (laughs) No, I'm serious. I I really hope they are still around. I know they do some things here and there, but yeah, that, oh, Honestly, especially for giving, listen, I know what I sounded like, okay? (laughs) And you know, it's so hard to give someone who's so green a chance. Yeah. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Because you really don't know what they do know and don't know. In your head, you're just like, keep going to open mics, keep going to open mics, figure it out. Yeah. Trench. It's trench warfare. Get out there. And. Fuck up. (laughs) Fuck up on stage. Fuck up in front of people. Yeah. Then you're going to go home. And you're going to practice for two weeks and you go back and you're not going to fall as far. But you're still going to mess up. But you're still going to fuck up. And every single time you fuck up, now you're going to, now you know that fucking up is inevitable. So you have to learn how to smile when you fuck up. Right. Now you have to learn how to not get beaten up. Now you have to learn how to understand rejection or understand like you are not a piece of shit. (laughs) Right. Right. It took me a long time to figure out, and I think I'm still figuring that no, out. No, I, I am too. And, that, you know, we were ta- talking about therapy before. I was like, the one thing I learned about, that that, like, that was the message that I learned when I, when I was seeing this, this therapist. And, and that's how I felt. I was like, man, I, I guess I just don't, I don't feel like such a piece of shit anymore. Thank you. <laughs> you know, like, hey, if that, if that costs $75, here's an extra you know? 10 you know. Um, but so, so, so you complete GCC. You start... <laughs> Okay, you don't complete GCC. <laughs> but you're out there doing open mics in the recession. Mm-hmm. And, then I, and then we're going to take a break. And then we're going to pick up at that moment. So about 15 years ago. Is that what that is? Yeah, about 15 years ago. Don't tell me ago. how old I am, sir. Don't, don't even fucking bring up this age <laughs> shit. Honey, you got a long way to go. <laughs> No, let's take a break and then and then we'll pick up uh, we'll pick up from there. Did you wake up this morning ready to take on your day, or did you find yourself hitting the snooze button a couple of times? A restful night's sleep can help you get back in the swing of things, and Silentium's proprietary blend of ingredients helps you sleep better, snore less, wake rested, and enjoy your day. Silentium Plus, available on our website www.silentiumplus.com. That's www.silentiumplus.com. And here's a special offer just for our podcast listeners. 
Salentium is offering a buy one, get one half off. Just use the promo code BRIAN when you're checking out. Salentium. Sleep better, snore less, wake rested. Okay, so we left off. Uh, the year was 2008. And you were just a young <laughs> pup running around playing open mics. So what happens after this? So you're doing the open mics, chicks with picks, uh, getting into some rooms, um, in arguably, hopefully, the worst recession of our lifetime, but mm-hmm. who knows. Um, and, and at what point do you start to really gig out in, in earnest and, and really focus on writing your own material and, and doing the do? So in college, I started hosting an open mic at a little tiny place in downtown Glendale called the Mighty Cup and Spoon. It's no longer there. Mm. Um, But I had the open mic there. It became huge. Hmm. So I didn't really realize that I could draw a crowd. Hmm. Um, That open mic, I started advertising it. I only started running it because the guy who usually ran it just never showed up. And I just kept showing up for open mic and there was no host. So some. One day the owner was just like, you want to run this? And I was like, fine. So I started bringing all the kids from college. Hmm. And I was like, listen, we do this stuff. Like we're full-time students. We don't have an associate's degree. We have to go for a bachelor's. We're all burnt out. We're all tired. But we're all good musicians. Why don't you just come to this place and we'll play whatever we want. Hmm. Right? Finally, that started catching on. Now, anyone who goes to GCC in the music department, a lot of them know about this open mic. They still know about it. They still hmm. talk about it, which is great. Does it happen anymore? No, oh. no. Uh, the the place isn't there. The open mics, I think it just barely became a coffee shop again. It's That building's gone through so many different iterations. Mm. It's downtown Glendale. Mm. Um, but yeah, that, that open mic went on for a long time after I got out of college. Um there is also where i mean i was the host so i was writing like still writing like there was something like a fire under my ass so i would go to the open mic and i would try out all these new songs Mm -hmm. and it was just kind of this that became my life i started also playing out i i with a couple of friends in college i created a band called november bay as three singers, one guitarist, and a cajon player. <laughs> Come on. <laughs> so Sparse. <laughs> I know. So oh, I remember we played one chicks. We still talk about this. We played one chicks with picks gig at a bar. And they made us quit early because we sounded too much like church music. Hmm. Uh, it's because there was like three singers. Hmm. You know, and we're all doing this like crazy harmonies because we're stupid college kids. And we're those choir kids. Hmm. So... Yeah, it was just honestly anything to get me away from doing opera was nice. Was that a, a part of your life doing opera mm-hmm. at oh. college? Okay. Well, because in college you have to pick an instrument. I picked uh, piano first, and then I ended up switching to voice. And in voice, you can either do art song, or you can do opera. Kind of as a the song choices you pick, I ended up doing opera because I just have the. The big beefy voice for that. You can't tell mm-hmm. that when you hear me playing in a coffee shop, <laughs> but the like, like yeah. the big heavy yeah. vibrato. Hmm. Hmm. I did a lot of, I did like some competitions. I don't think I won anything, but it was fun. <laughs> okay. Do you have like a favorite opera? Yeah. 
but it's hardly ever performed. It's Das Rheingold. Oh, Das Rheingold. Mm-hmm. It's like like seven parts or something. I don't mm-hmm. know. Mm-hmm. I never got to actually see it. I think you can kind of, it'll take you like a day and a half to watch. It's very long. Okay. Okay. No, there's like the cycles. It's, I love it for nerdy reasons. Yeah. You nerd out on opera. <laughs> you said that like you were the cool kid in school and I'm here like hey guys. So let me let me get this straight. You nerd out to opera. <laughs> so, yeah. I nerd out to a lot of classical music. I mean No, it's it. That's it. It is what it That's is. Why I have no friends. Oh please. Brian. Um, this, this must be around the time that I hear your name for the first time because we were both working at uh, center stage. Yeah. It's a couple of years later. I started gigging out a lot. Um, cause I met, cause I met a lot of cool, cool, cool girls in Chicks with Picks. One of them was Sydney. Yeah. And Sydney Sprague. Yeah. And like Callie Rohde and Destiny Quinn and Sarah Robinson. Sarah Robinson. Mm-hmm. She had a thing for a minute. Yeah. And the Sarah Robinson and the... Yada yada ying ying yang. So, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> now I followed them very closely. No, but I no, but I do. I have heard her name, and obviously, I I I'm familiar with Sydney, and and I think you guys are doing a duo thing at center stage when when I kind of came on and and working with uh, Lancet and and meeting a bunch of his crew, meeting mm-hmm. um, 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 Diara maybe for the first time and Alex Kine was part of that mm-hmm. and Max Naus and you know this whole other crew of musicians that I had never met before so it was cool um, and so you worked with her for a minute and how did that then transition like what was the next phase after that or are, are we still in that kind of phase of kind of gigging and and working on your original material and um, there was a couple different phases in there. I mean, I would always go from, like, since college, playing music out really hard, stopping. Playing music out really hard, stopping. Was it a love-hate thing? Like, like, like you, you love it, love it, love it, now I hate it. Or was it, or were there other factors that were doing that? I think... Or affecting that, or, or you know what I mean? Um, I think maybe it might just be my personality to when life gets hard, it's hard to entertain. Oh yeah, sure. Uh, or like when it's not like when life just gets hard, it's like when life just keeps being hard Mm. and it will not stop. It's almost like this. I start hating music. Hmm. I start hating the sound of it. I listen. I don't listen to music. I listen to podcasts. I listen to Mm -hmm. talk radio and I just, I step away from it to almost try to heal myself so I can come back to it. Mm. Doesn't work great when mm. you're with a band <laughs> mm-hmm. right. because you step away because you need some time and they're like, "Excuse me, we were right in the middle of some important shit." Right. And I'm like, "I'm sorry, I right. can't." So yeah, I go from playing a lot of music in uh, resorts, restaurants, and stuff, and then someone either my original music or someone else's original music. I start kind of becoming more involved with that. Um, I start kind of moving towards the original section a little bit more, playing more of those shows, becoming, you know, doing little tiny tours and then everything dries up and I quit and then I come back. So I'm right now we're on the cycle of I'm back to doing restaurant shows and a little bit of original stuff. So it's like this cycle, like original or 
cover gigs, original stuff, quit. Cover gigs, original stuff, quit. <laughs> so now I'm like, a little bit of cover gigs, tiny bit of original stuff. Hmm. We'll see where it goes. You mean you mean original stuff in the sense that like a, a recording original music or performing original music it. or yeah, all of it. Um, yeah, record. Uh, right now, I'm at the point where I'm about to do a little tiny tour with. You had Marcus on your yes. podcast, so his band Let Alone, and then our other friends band Damn the Weather and I. I'm playing on one of their shows, but I'm going to be kind of following them behind like a happy puppy um tour tour mom tour, tour, mom. tour mom very much gonna be a tour mom there's no stopping that i can't help myself <laughs> that's fun and then i mean going on tour in every in any capacity is kind of a ball yeah you know so i'm gonna just bring my camera along i'm gonna take shoots and stuff yeah and then have some fun and then i think i'm trying i think me recording is cursed Every time I've been part of a recording, it's been either taken off the internet or not been released. Hmm. <laughs> and every time I've tried to record myself, something goes wrong. So I'm trying to record again, but mm-hmm. we'll see how that goes. Mm-hmm. I think it might be cursed. <laughs> Remind me the name of the song that we listened to on YouTube before we started the conversation. The original one? Yeah. It's called Safe Bet, Sweet Plan. Safe Bet, Sweet Plan. Mm-hmm. Let's. Um, can we talk about that tune? Yeah. Um, it's just you and a guitar mm-hmm. in your house. Mm-hmm. It sounded great. Thanks. Can you tell me the inspiration for that tune and, and maybe yeah, what how how it came about and, and all that juicy juicy stuff? Yeah. Um it's, so the title Safe Bet Sweet Plan is me telling myself like, oh, you always, you don't take any risks. Great. Good job. That's, that's going to get you far, Mm. you know? Mm. Um, I think, so some songs you write with intention and some songs just kind of come out. Mm -hmm. This was one of those, it was kind of a practice song that just kind of came out, but I ended up liking it. Um, it's just about me sitting there going like, so cool. Here's where you're at. Like, you're not happy about anything and you want to leave. To be honest, I think it was when I was really obsessing about building a schoolie. What is that? It's a school bus you convert into a mobile home. Okay. <laughs> I was okay. really obsessing about that. Yeah. But I was also obsessing about moving to a different state. And I was obsessing about just, I kind of just wanted a big change. And I realized, like, I keep wanting to leave. Why? Why do I keep wanting to leave? Like, I have there's a hook in the song that says like I've got one million reasons to leave and it's but I was I wasn't sure like am I trying to stay is there something else that I should be leaving spoiler alert there was something else I should have been leaving (laughs) um I didn't it was more of just me trying to figure out like okay so you keep you keep failing you keep falling down and every time you fall down you want to leave Every time you fall down, you want to quit. Or you fall down, you don't know why. Like, it's more... I didn't know what I was fighting for anymore. Safe in a dream Forget all the ways I'm stimulated Bed on a whim to secede Break all your friends by who's staying in or still 
drunk Monday morn All the ones who leave I've got a coat and a suitcase Packed with every Sunday And one million reasons to leave Self-defeat But what ifs were always overrated Plan, make it stick, make them see Head down, miss the ground I can always make it complicated Fall, take a break, learn to breathe I'm starting to now in the last couple months I've been realizing okay so don't burn everything to the ground maybe just take more shows out of town you're a musician you're allowed to do that that's a cool thing to do try you know going out of town more often try traveling you love traveling don't pick up your entire life and move to a different state just yet just Explore. Travel more. Yeah. 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 Have yeah. an open relationship with Phoenix. <laughs> right. I'm seeing other cities. <laughs> yeah. Excuse <laughs> But it's good. I'll say also about that song, I usually like to have conclusions. I like to have, like, when I write a song, I want it to be, like, a conclusive uh-huh. feeling. Like, I take myself through the emotion, and at the end, there's a period. Uh-huh. That's the only song where I really feel like there isn't a period. Huh. It's the only song where I feel like... The whole thing that I'm explaining is indecision. Mm. I'm not explaining, okay, and now I'm going to leave or right. now I'm going to stay. It's more just kind of like this, right. a whole song about indecision, which is a little weird to me. Yeah. And then, and then in essence, it should be open, right? Mm-hmm. It, and it, it, because if it's about indecision, then, then why put a bow on it? You know, yeah. let it, let it live in, in that space, you know? That's exciting. I mean, I, I'm I'm really excited to hear more of the tunes. I, I think, you know, what you did was, was great. The song is great. You obviously have an incredible voice and, and really great guitar playing. Um, so I'm excited to hear, you know, we were chatting before we before we started it about some of the struggle of the last couple of years and and um I will say that that at least for me, um as as hard as those moments can be in your life, um, sometimes the silver lining is having a song that really mm-hmm. is compelling and and is real and thoughtful and emotional and and even if you don't have the answers, it, it there is a there is a uh, a resolution because you have created this thing is finite, you know, and and it lives here, and I can always go back there if I'm if I forget what that felt like, you know. Yeah, I think. <sighs> Speaking of that, I don't, have you ever done this where you write a song and it's not until later you figure out what it was about? Hmm. Uh, I, uh, um, explain, explain your experience. So, um, I have a couple songs that I actually care enough about to continue with. Um, one of them is a song called Crash. And I'll, it's it's a dark song. It's about, you know, 
we won't get into all of it today. We'll have a part two if you want to get into my tragic backstory. <laughs> but I went through some stuff. Yeah. Real bad. Yeah. And there was definitely a point in time where I was just like, you know, let's, I'm done. I'm mm-hmm. done with all of life. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm, I'm out. Mm-hmm. And the song is called Crash, and it's all about, I wrote it from the point of view of a boat, but really it was my car. I wanted my car. I was driving back from Denver, and it started having car problems, and I just kept thinking about, it exploding and me just sitting there like I was romanticizing it. Mm -hmm. I immediately went home and I wrote crash and it was basically like how I just wanted like, go ahead, go Mm -hmm. ahead and crash. I don't care anymore. Um, but I kept repeating this line over and over in the song and I didn't realize, I didn't realize why I was doing it. I thought just musically it sounded cool, but the line is, I know your skin and bones just hold on a little longer. I know your skin and bones just hold on a little longer. And I kept repeating that over and over in the song. I even ended the song with like just repeating it like six times. And I didn't realize like in the song, I'm going through every single way that I've been, that I'm hurting currently. You know, I lost someone who was very, very, very important to a lot of people, Hmm. very close to me. And other people would look at me, and as soon as they realized who I was, they would recognize my name. They would start crying. And I was like, I can't. <laughs> like, I, I can't keep trying. Like, I just got the energy to leave my house. Mm. And everywhere I go, as soon as people recognize me, they start crying because they can't imagine how much I've been hurt. Mm. It, was, it was terrible. So, like, in this song, I'm going through, like, you know... Everyone looks at me and starts crying. Everyone, you know, I can't go anywhere. I can't do anything. I'm stuck. I'm angry. I'm frustrated. Just go ahead and just end it all. And I just keep repeating that line. And mm-hmm. I didn't realize it until like years later when I was singing it live. I realized like I'm telling myself mm-hmm. to hold on a little longer. Yeah, it's your mantra. In, in the song, I'm actually talking about my car. Like just get me out of state. Get me onto like... It doesn't say this exactly, but in my head, I was like, get me onto like a dirt road where there's nobody around and then explode. That way I'm the only one who gets hurt, but just, Mm. just keep driving. Just hold on a little longer until Mm. we get to where no one else can be hurt. Mm. I didn't realize that I'm actually like saying it to myself Mm -hmm. over and over. I do that a lot with songwriting where like I write the song and I don't realize, I don't realize what it's about until like months later. It's Mm. almost like my brain's like... Here's a freebie. Right. <laughs> you're going to need this in a couple months. I'm, you're going to need this. <laughs> yeah. Oh, great. It's a sticky note. That's right.
like working out a little bit more. It helps me. Um, after I'm done, some of it like running, I fucking hate running. I love how it makes me feel. Hmm. I fucking hate doing it. And every single time I lay down in the middle of Hans Park in downtown Phoenix, I lay down and I tell myself, thank you. Thank you for doing that. That fucking sucked. That mm-hmm. sucked so much. Thank you for doing that for me. Mm. Thank you for caring about me enough to do that. You talk about like trite shit. Sometimes simple is best. Mm-hmm. There's one thing when it comes to like, you know, really not wanting to be here anymore that changed my mind as I heard someone say, um, teenagers are usually suicidal. Like they want to die. They don't realize it's just a part of them that needs to die, not the whole thing. Hmm. I started thinking about that for myself. So hmm. if I get to that danger zone again, sometimes it's a part of you that needs to die that you don't want to die. You know, hmm. the part of you that's still holding out hope that someone's going to come back, hmm. you know, to life. The part of you that thinks that you know better than, you know, your circumstances. The part of you that, like, there are things that you want to hold on to. That part needs to die. Hmm. And it's going to feel like death. It's going to feel like you're grieving. It's not the whole thing. Hmm. I know during the pandemic, there's a lot of parts of me that needed to fucking die. Part of it was just that that part of me that gets way too hopeless, way Hmm. too fast. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. That part of me needed to die. Because during the pandemic... It was, there's a lot of us where it was so much more than just a disease going around. Mm -hmm. It was family dying. It was, you know, other things, uh, losing jobs or breaking up or like, um, I've heard so many stories of people who were like, and on top of that, I had some, and I'm one of those people. I had so much more going on. And when the world just keeps beating you up, the part of you that needs to die is your resistance. The part of you that needs to die is you thinking that it's unfair. Yeah, it's unfair. What are you going to do about it? You're going to keep going whether you like it or not. So the part of you that needs to die is the part of you that thinks you need to die. Right, right. That's a really interesting way to look at it. Yeah, I've been thinking a lot about coping mechanisms, and not all of them are bad. Not all of them are good. Music is one of those where it is a coping mechanism you can see people who and i've personally known people who have like really strong addictions to drugs but if they play music they're fine Hmm. you know Hmm. or while they're playing music they're fine i've been extremely depressed and have a lot of anxiety but as soon as i start playing music i'm fine Mm -hmm. sometimes Mm -hmm. (laughs) i've definitely broken down on stage that's not fun Mm -hmm. but it's a coping mechanism that is shared Hmm. you know Hmm. so the people in the audience like we're doing it because we need to, because that's our coping mechanism and it helps. Not always, but it does. Mm-hmm. You guys in the audience, like, we are here to help you cope with whatever's going on in your life. We don't have to care. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm going to sing this cover song that I know helped me through a hard time. Maybe you're going through something similar and it's going to help you through a hard time. That's the point. That is what we do. Mm-hmm. It is not just. Sometimes it's just entertainment to just be entertained. Right. Sometimes it's just you need to laugh. Sometimes it's you need to cry, and it's okay. And being able to give that to an audience, I think, is that's our why. That's my why. You need to cry? Okay, let's freaking cry. I'm trying to get better. I'm not very good at being vulnerable on stage. I make jokes out of 
the dark songs that I've written. That's why I love what Marcus is doing with the set songwriter night. Mm-hmm. Because after I started understanding, oh, this is why he's doing it. Mm. I think I've started to kind of slowly respect it a little bit more. Mm. Um, yeah, everyone needs to laugh. Everyone needs to cry. Everyone needs to be angry for a second. When I want to be angry, I got a whole playlist. <laughs> That's my angry playlist. <laughs> <laughs> a little too much Eminem. <laughs> And then some gangster shit. <laughs> this little white girl at the gym is like, I don't like hunting on y'all. Let's go, let's fight. Um, <laughs> well, I, I mean, I'll, and I'll just say that that music, performing music, physically heals me too. Mm-hmm. It's not just an emotional. Um, it doesn't address it. It not only addresses emotional um, feelings, but if I don't feel great. And I sing for three hours, I feel great when I'm done. There's something chemical, physiological that I happens. I have some nerd information for Oh, you. please hit me. Okay. So, so wait, but you not only nerd out to opera music, you also nerd out to... I just nerd. Oh, I just nerd, I just period. nerd, period. I'm one of those I D&D. Like, I <laughs> yeah. Play just, oh, let's go. talk. Oh, God. How much time do we have? Jesus. Um, Are you my dungeon master? <laughs> go i suck at telling stories though <laughs> you walked into a room and exploded i don't know what happened game over okay next. <laughs> um so i've been looking into this a little bit and here's my theory okay so your girl has dealt with anxiety in her past yeah. um the polyvagal theory you heard anything about it no okay so if you ever want to talk about this kind of stuff too holly pile is great we okay. talk a lot back and forth Hi, Pa's great. She's in Live from Laurel Canyon. Love her to bits. Oh, my God. She's... I, oh, I love her so much. Um, so, your vagus nerve runs through your body. Yes? Yes. Connects to your brain, connects to your heart, your stomach, your lungs. And when you start having a panic attack, it's your vagus nerve that is activated. So, like, if your vagus nerve controls your fight or flight. Huh. So, you're, you get stomach upset. I know for me, when I have anxiety, I just stop eating. And I'll do that for days. It becomes like a problem I need to focus on because it affects your stomach. You're mm. breathing. You start doing that shallow breathing thing. Mm-hmm. That's your vagus nerve controlling your lungs. It also, I believe, don't quote me on this. Oh, we're being recorded. Fuck. Uh, it goes screwed. <laughs> your soft palate. Yeah. So when you're singing, you're relaxing your soft palate. Okay. For like three hours. Right. You're slowly calming yourself down. Not only is it meditative, but it's actually affecting your nervous system huh. and calming your nervous system down. That makes sense. Uh, <laughs> as much as it could, I swear. You lost me in Vegas, and then I was like, "So the neck bones connected to the cheekbone, which is connected to a I blackjack even gave table." You like the easy. <laughs> I know. Excellent. You did what you could. Okay. Well, anyway, singing can calm your nervous system. I'm, I'm, I believe that okay. I, I, I'm, I'm into that. Um, Carrie Lynn Van Winkle <laughs> one, has one of the coolest names in town and is working on some new material. She's going to go out. You're going to go out on the road. You're going to, yeah. you're going to get out of this heat for a minute. Right. Yeah. I'm going to cheat on Phoenix. You're seeing other cities with two other cities. Damn girl. Yeah. This is polyamorous. <laughs> Yeah, oh. it's the only way. Yeah. 
Uh, what what does the rest of the year look like for you? What's the what what are the goals? What are the hopes and dreams? Don't die during the summer, uh, in the summer months. Okay, that's a Check. good one. Okay. Um, work on some new material. Definitely working on some new material. Where can people a find where you're playing? B um, Every, know more about you. Everything uh, is going through Instagram. Instagram, Instagram is van dot winkle dot music. Okay, got it. Um, I have been uh, experimenting on there by just doing some covers, trying to play around with music production, having fun. I only like social media when it's social. I don't like to just like. Oh, hear what I'm doing. Like, no, fucking talk to me. Please, right. like, have an interaction. I want to start playing with more people around. I just kind of want to collaborate more in a sense of just, I don't know, finding out what happens, mm. stretching my legs a little bit. Mm-hmm. It's really that's simple exciting. shit. No, but that's, listen, it's not easy doing what we do, it's not easy making a living doing what we do it's not easy to take a creative idea and put it into the world it's not easy to i mean there's so many things that are not easy about what we do mm-hmm. we love it mm-hmm. right we're pretty good at it right on a good day <laughs> but it's not it's not like you know it's not like clocking in nine to five and and sitting at a computer and god bless the people that do that but you know, for me, it's 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 always a love hate thing, and just getting to the point where I get to create music. We get to create music and perform. Like, if that's my goal for this year, cool. Let's worry about next year, next year. But um, there's there's a lot to be. What's the best way to put it? There's no issue or problem with with just getting to a point where I'm creating the music that I love. I'm I'm doing the thing that I love. Like that's not a terrible that's not a terrible goal. Yeah. You know what I mean? I th- yeah. I I think my goal has been for a little bit. I don't really want to do it if it's not fun. Right. If I get to choose, if I have the freedom to choose, there's enough fun things out there to do. Yeah. Right. So, making original music, playing on other people's original music playing actual cover gigs that i really enjoy there's a lot of great music out there that i love to sing amen you gave me some good ideas let's go let's do it and it's mm, make it fun yeah that's the whole point i'm supposed to be a rock star (laughs) i'm not supposed to be carrie lynn or go to juilliard and that's not happening (laughs) this might be like a post-grad situation (laughs) (laughs) we failed (laughs) but you know what there's only our choices yeah well i appreciate your time and uh, thanks for sharing your your stories and and um, hope to see you out again soon and and psyched to see you play somewhere if if the schedules line <laughs> up I'd love to you you're really digging Terroir which is a joint in Scottsdale yeah they've been incredible to me yeah. um, and you're there a bunch this summer yeah almost all of July um, a lot of Thursday Friday Saturdays I'm going to end up putting a poster up sometime making one you know yeah, yeah. doing that stuff yeah. that all of us musicians love to do oh marketing are you kidding me yeah, pr that's like i love, love it. it spreadsheets mm. let's talk well hey autosome i can do that <laughs> i will make you know what just because of this i'm gonna make a spreadsheet poster <laughs> that's good 
that's a good idea. Because then you get also the math nerds and the Excel spreadsheet nerds. It's not going to look good. I think you're onto something. Appreciate your time. So story goes.